took a day off kind of took a week off we just didn't want to do one because we felt pressure to but we want to do one because we wanted to yeah um trying something new today <laughs> uh setup is outside yeah we're we're on our porch um so we tried to we're trying our best to block out the highway noise because yeah. um where we live in our apartment it's right off of the highway so mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we're loud enough and the background noise is not too yeah. disruptive. Um, I think he'll just be a, a, a calming <laughs> white noise background. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Um, I did turn the mic down a little bit, so it's not going to pick up as much noise, which means we need to speak a bit louder. So if we shout, you, <laughs> you sound like you're shouting. So if we sound like we're shouting, we're just... Yeah. Trying to make everything we say still yeah. clearly accessible. Yeah. Like forty minutes from now when we listen to it back because that's probably the worst thing. If you say some good stuff and then like you can't hear it because exactly. of whatever happened and you can't control that later. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, it's wicked vibey out here though. It is. We set up our uh, all of our little outdoor southwestern design blankets. We hung them over the edge of the balcony and we hung them up against the wall. So hopefully they. And I think they do work. Yeah. They're absorbing some of the noise. They definitely block out some sound. But not all of it. Yeah. So. And it's it's like it's just past dusk, I'd say. Yeah. Um, it's currently nine PM. Um, so the the sky is like a like a royal blue color. Yeah. And the sun has just set. It's um, nice. so we've got our little porch lights on. Yep. And our plants, and I like the privacy that the blankets give us. <laughs> Maybe we should leave them up. Yeah, that would be actually quite nice. Yeah, I don't know if we're allowed to, but Probably having the blankets hung over the balcony. Our balcony looks over the parking lot, and so everybody walking to their cars can see into our balcony. And the dumpster. And we can see the dumpster. Um, so everybody walking <laughs> to the dumpster and to their cars yeah. um, can look up in the balcony. And so... We can't really just, like, vibe out here no, without feeling like everybody's looking at us. Or, like, you know, like, to those people who either have their own homes or are in their parents' homes or just, mm-hmm. like, rent a house or or just feel comfortable in their apartment or something if their balcony is facing the other way. Like, if you want to just, like, water your plants in your underwear and you're right. just chilling or if you, like, have your shirt off, I don't know, because uh-huh. it's, like, your place. But, like, here... Yeah. If we walk out and we're like not fully clothed, or just if Reagan just wants to like stick his head out and see how how hot it is or something, and he's right. in his underwear, then like right. there's like a sixty percent chance that somebody's somebody and their kid is like getting out of the car and be like, oh my gosh, look at that man. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just a little. I don't want to be that man. Yeah. Just trying to live your life. You're not your that plan? guy, pal. You're not that guy. <laughs> So anyway, anyway, welcome back. Welcome back to On the Trail with the Shuddies. Uh, we're in an interesting period. I feel like we were going into this season when we stopped recording. Yeah. And we've, we've quite, just kind of like not talking about it. We've had quite the last couple weeks, yeah. honestly. Um, and it kind of started with the um, 
decision about whether or not to go to Rhode Island for a wedding yes. of a friend of Ciara's. We had been invited, and it's a friend of Ciara's, and they used to be pretty close. And uh, Ciara misses her family and her friends. She wanted to go see them. And so we got invited to their wedding, which is in August? <laughs> yeah, August 26th. Yeah. I don't know if Sarah listens to this podcast. I don't think so. But if she is... But Mr. Congr- Weatherspoon does. Congratulations. Oh. <laughs> he does. So um, um, yeah. So this is just this is story time with the Shetties about yeah. everything that happened over the last two weeks. Yeah. So continue. Okay. So we were invited to the wedding, mm-hmm. and we Sierra wanted to go. Um, I didn't. I don't really care. I wasn't really too sold either way. But um, we saw it as a perfect opportunity to test mm-hmm. out the van. And sorry to interject, no, but um, it had been. I think we we were like mentally planning to go on this trip for at least four months. Yeah, yeah. Um, even before we got the wedding invitation. Exactly. So, this is already in my head. Like I haven't mm-hmm. seen, mm-hmm. I haven't seen my my parents since they came to our wedding right. last October. Right. Um, and I haven't seen my sister in a year. Yeah. And I haven't seen my friends in a year. And yeah. so, I was like, you know, if I go to my friend's wedding, not only will I be able to encourage her and like mm-hmm. be able to be at her wedding, which was fun um but i could also see my family because i haven't seen my family in um in pretty much a year yeah um and we you know like reagan was gonna say it'd be a a perfect time to um test out the van and Mm -hmm. all that um you can keep going okay um well so we were thinking about it like that but as time's been getting closer it's july now um and it's it would be happening next month yeah, Less pretty than much a month like from four now. Four weeks. Yeah, yeah. And we are not prepared. <laughs> no. <laughs> we do not feel prepared financially. No. Um, we've been struggling to pay rent the last couple of months. Um, my hours have been down. My uh, pay. Oh my gosh, there's a car. Having some issues. Having oh, some issues. They're just reversing. I think they're going now. Homeboy's been working on his car right now. Hopefully those noises Hopefully they don't, don't make it into, po- into the episode. <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, so my, my check's been a little slim, and we've been just really hurting. Um, and the Lord's been taking care of us in a number of ways, through friends helping us, through BioLife Plasma donations, through um, uh, transferring some of my art for covering us for rent. A shout-out to Emily and Clinton. That was... Mm-hmm so clutch um and we were able to cover this month this upcoming month but uh i don't know we're just looking at it and like taking off of like two and a half weeks of work so not getting paid for those days and then also spending the money to drive two thousand miles one way um to go to rhode island um i mean even flights and like hotels and and you wanted to stay up there for a week um so like if we were to fly and like borrow a car and like Mm -hmm. stay somewhere um it still would be expensive um to to do this trip so we started toying with the idea of just not doing it especially after some drama happened between the bride and one of our mutual friends okay well let's Um, not spill anything like that i won't spill anything that's not ours to say that's not ours to say anyway um and uh what we want to talk about tonight is the uh kind of I don't want to say drama, but the conflict yeah. um, in our hearts around 
family boundaries and um, and and this sort of story time leads right into that because yeah. uh, a lot of the struggle mentally and emotionally was surrounding uh, the idea of like well if we don't go to Rhode Island then what are Ciara's family going to think of us and mm-hmm. are they going to be upset and that they are going to be upset and we miss them and they miss us but they also miss like the way things were before we got married and we're never going to be able to go back to that but like right, right. we got to accept that this is a new life you know how do we deal with this and so Ciara's been really wrestling with that yeah um and she wanted to talk about the things she's learning about boundaries and how to deal with parents as adult children yeah as we're like we're the two of us are still like pretty new at being adult children um and so how do you relate to your parents when they have been the governing voice and moral compass for most of our lives and now we don't live with them anymore and they don't guide us anymore but they still miss that control (laughs) you know so is there something you want to talk talk about first baby um, yes, I think so. <laughs> um, well, I want to start by saying, um, I, I don't know if my family really listens to this podcast. Yeah. Um, I do know of some people who know or who are close with my family who does. Yeah. Um, and so I just want to say, like, I have respect for my family and I'm not yeah. trying to say a bunch of stuff behind their back, so... Um, I want to candidly express, um, the things, either what I felt or just, um, vaguely say, um, some, some of the conversations or things that happened. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to mention who said what or any of that just to save, um, face of my family because they're great and I love them. And it's just, uh, like Reagan said, like, um, um adult children it's like us obviously being i'm their adult daughter who not yeah. only moved out but also yeah. got married in the same in like the same year yeah um and within the same six months or something yeah, yeah. so very you know i i'm not a lot of abrupt change from always living at home mm-hmm. uh with your parents to suddenly moving out and then rapidly getting married as well yeah and not to mention that <laughs> It was from Rhode Island to Texas, so it was right, when so I you moved can't out. Even, like, see you. Yeah, when I moved out, it, I moved from Rhode Island to Texas. Got married in Texas, so there's, there was just all of a sudden half of the, um, I, I was all of a sudden just across the U.S. Uh-huh. and um, two thousand miles away from my family who I'd lived with till I was twenty, um, so, uh, yeah, so I acknowledge that it is yeah communicating and learning how to set new boundaries and learning how to continue relationship but have it having like my growth away from them right. and how do they relate to me now and how do I relate to them and trying to fit old old ways of communication into yeah. a new um lifestyle lifestyle yeah like that's very difficult so yeah. I'm not trying to throw my parents under the bus or nothing no. So right, just that they're, disclaimer. They're very, they're very, they're kind and loving. Yeah. And we care about them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why we want to stick it out and talk about stuff because just not talking about 
what we're feeling and what we're experiencing is not the way to go. And there are, like, probably lots of adult children who feel similarly. Yeah. Or, like, you move out, yeah. and then you don't see your parents for, like, months instead of just seeing them every mm-hmm. single day. And then, like, you see them again, and you're like, oh! And they're, they treat you like they used to, but it doesn't fit anymore. It doesn't yeah. feel right. Um, so... So what's the first lesson that you've been learning on how to, how do we deal with that? Um, well, I'm still, I'm still definitely learning. Okay. Um, I'm going to therapy for that actually currently. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first lesson is that the happiness of my parents is not my responsibility. Yeah. Because that's something that I have been taught my whole life. Yeah. Um, if if there is an issue within the okay <laughs> if there's an issue within my family yeah. um that had to do with a few members of my family um it would it would be CR's responsibility to fix that yeah. it'd be CR's responsibility to mm-hmm. um to mend whatever was mm-hmm. broken or whatever communication was lost and like yeah. Now there's like the awkward silence whenever me and the other person is in the room. It's like not even, at least from how I remember it, um, because it happened a lot. But it would it would be like, okay, CR, what are you gonna do to make this relationship better between yeah. your sister and your mom, or like, what is your as if I was the one by me not doing anything, nothing was getting fixed. Yeah. Um, and so now for me being moved out. Um, and like wanting to go back to Rhode Island and visit, I'm thinking in my mind like, okay, this is this is like my opportunity to show them like, yes, I do love you, I do want to come see you. Um, so this is my effort in doing that. And when we had to make the hard decision of actually not making the trip, I one one of the things I was really um, um, challenged with was like, are they going to think that I don't love them? Are they right. going to think that I um, that that I didn't try hard enough to make this trip happen. Yeah. Um, also, for uh, just to to add on to that, there have been two other times that we have been in wanting to like with in good with good intention yeah. to visit Rhode Island, and we would we told friends, my friends and family, like this is what we're doing. Got them all excited, <laughs> and then we had to say, actually, no, plans changed, and. Doing that multiple times, this this now was the third time to have to say, like, yeah, we're going. Cool. Like, you can expect us. And, like, we can't wait to, you know, do this when we get there. And then, like, time after time after time saying, like, actually, no. Like, actually, plans change. We don't have whatever we need to to get mm-hmm. there. Um, and just the repeated disappointment. And I think for me, knowing that it's because of me, it's because of a decision that I made or because of something I said, even though that was not the intention originally, just the fact that I got their hopes up and then they're dashed because we couldn't make it happen. Yeah. I put most of that pressure onto myself because I think it's just because that's how I'm used to taking yeah. things. Um, it's probably a coping mechanism or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this time I, I, yes, I did. I do miss my family and I miss my parents, but I was also... I was also nervous about um, the condemnation that might come from them yeah. when we said, like, 
actually we can't make this trip for financial reasons and then you know if if any of you guys have parents who it comes from like them caring about me I know that but you know like who are they've got the little speech about finances just like in their throat ready to tell you like my parents they've (laughs) it's like a 20 minute thing like yeah I know you told me before but you know so um yeah I think the what I'm learning now and what I'm really trying to get in my mind is like my parents happiness um doesn't depend on I'm not like I'm I'm the things I do I'm not in charge of how they feel about it um and unmet expectations that I had of them Mm -hmm. since they're flawed Mm -hmm. and they they tried their best and they're I mean they're they're in in many ways my parents have been wonderful parents um so I'm not saying that they're trash because they're great um but you know we're all human so there's some things that like you can't cover every single base as your parent I can imagine um and the expectations that I had for my childhood or that I didn't know I had until now that weren't met by them um can't I I need to instead of blaming them for those unmet expectations put them on the Lord and um because he will meet those expectations and that's what I'm learning now that I can't just cross my arms and be like, Mom and Dad, like, you did me dirty and you're messing me up because of the things that you didn't do because that's not, um, they're not perfect and they can't, um, they they can't be held accountable for all those things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Nice ramble. <laughs> Thanks. What do you have to say about that? Well, I was going to say, um... <laughs> I agree with you that, uh, and it's interesting for me, um, in my position as Sarah's husband mm-hmm. and best friend. Um, Say it loud, baby. Sarah's husband. I like how you <laughs> Um. So, I went through a similar season um, when I was like twenty years old. When I was like 19 or 20. Oof. Are you kidding? I don't know. I'm hot. I'm sweaty. It's hot out here. Do um, you want to move it inside? We could pause it. No, we can We can keep this. Oh. Okay. How's that? <laughs> I want to be able to speak softly and quietly without, like, not being heard. Um, so now I get the microphone. I wonder if we could put a blanket over it. Would that help? No, it would not. It would just make our voices muffled. Oh. Um, so, I had to go through a similar season when I was 19 or 20 when I started realizing that, yeah, my parents' emotions are not my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, how they feel about my choices are not, like, something I need to control. I cannot control how they feel about what I do. Um... And I shouldn't try to control how they feel about what I do. That is me breaking their boundaries and trying to force them to feel, trying to control them and how they feel about something. Um, But at the same time, uh, you know, I was always raised to, like, be considerate of other people and, like, um, think about how they're going to take it and, like, 
Um, so it's just it's a hard balance. It's a tough balance to reach, and uh, I didn't really find freedom until I really started internalizing that I'm not responsible for how they feel about my choices. Um, I can, you know, I think it's I think it's good to be considerate of others. You know, I wouldn't say that you should take this concept to the extreme where you say like. I'm not responsible for how you feel about this, so I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to, like, really mess up, like, like do things to spite you. Um, but, like, what this came, what this, what this is important for, with the application of this concept, is, is us as adult children choosing to live life the way that we believe is right. Mm-hmm. And choosing not to live in fear of what our parents are going to say about that. Um, so for me, when I made that realization, I felt more free to move out and move, uh, 1500 miles away to North Carolina and live there for a little while against their wishes. They didn't want me to, uh, they didn't ask me to, I just did it. Um, cause I had the opportunity and I wanted to, um, and that was like the best decision of my life. Because it got me away from their uh, manipulation and their um, attempted control. Mm -hmm. And I say attempted control because, let's be real, it was always an attempt. And it only worked as long as I let it. Um, They would try to control, like, what I would say and what I would do and how I would think and how I was going to order my life. And even though um, my parents wouldn't necessarily claim to be having control it's 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 one thing to say that you're free to make any choice with your life and another thing to bring correction and condemnation and judgment on on me when i choose to do something they don't like um that's that's a double standard it's 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 a practically a lie actually hypocrisy um, and, and it was really hurt, hurtful. So, um, the first implement, implementation of that boundary was to actually leave and, and to say, you know what, I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm not going to let you control me anymore. I'm not going to let you, um, order my life anymore. And it's been, it's been crazy. Um, it's been good. I mean, I think I'm probably happy. Um, but, uh, I don't know it's still hard though for different reasons um so um yeah the the like cr said it's 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 tough to practice like like we're trying to understand how are we supposed to feel um about like my family-in-law my father and mother-in-law um how do we treat them when we are trying to live our life as a young married couple freely doing what we believe is right to do and they don't love it and they're worried about us and they're concerned and they're uh, telling us that they we should be doing things that are different and um, we don't agree with that you know how are we supposed to feel about that because we we love them and they're they're good people and uh, they're just I am really struggling to accept this change. So, um, you know, we want to honor them 
while also being honest about them. Yeah. Um, and. That's a bar, maybe. <laughs> it's not That's my good. bar. That was Tim Ross. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. That was Tim Ross. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, to honor would be to say, like, they are our parents. Yeah. They did probably the best that they thought they could. They are, um, they genuinely care about us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're grateful for the good things that they provided us. Yeah. Um, they always provided a house and uh, food for us to eat. And um, they helped take care of us when we were young and mm-hmm. as we got older. And to be honest, they made mistakes. Yeah. And they're still making mistakes. And they're still struggling to treat us like individual adults. And we we made made mistakes too, also. Right. As children. Right, right. I mean, like, we're gonna, not gonna pretend like we we're saints the entire time, mm-hmm. and they're just tripping. Um, but also, I refuse to believe that we were just tiny balls of terror. <laughs> uh. You know, evil little snots that refuse to do a single thing they ever said. Yeah. yeah. You know, deserving of complete control and manipulation. So, um, yeah, I mean, like boundaries are something that are understated and and under undervalued, especially in parent-child relationships. I don't think I've ever met a single person who would say I would say have like really good boundaries uh, with their parents um, well I take it back maybe one or two but definitely not a lot yeah um, and it's it's interesting because I don't think um, <laughs> can you move it yeah I can no move. can you move oh, the yeah. stand thank you um, <laughs> um it's interesting because most of the clarity that comes from, um, like, when you can see more clearly, like, what happened in, in childhood, your childhood, or, like, your family dynamic comes when you actually leave that place, and when you exit the, um, your, the home, um, that you're, that you have grown up in, um, because, like, I I remember I remember being little and I hope this doesn't I think I have the liberty to say this cuz it's not too it's not too bad but um I remember being like in elementary school in North Carolina cuz I grew up in North Carolina um and for some reason it might have been the diversity it might have just been it might have. <laughs> it might have been the environment that I was in um, when I was in elementary school in Garner, North Carolina. But a lot of my little friends that I had had parents who were divorced, or that was just like a a normal um, for like it. It wasn't new or strange to hear that like my friends' parents were divorced, or like knowing of people whose parents were divorced um, when I was younger. Oh my gosh, bro. Um, so, 
But I bring that up because I would always tell myself, like, you know, like, as a probably, like, 8 to 12-year-old little girl that, like, I'm, my family is, like, I'm privileged because my parents are together. And, like, I, was t- I would tell myself, like, not to complain about, um, like, not even to think about what things could be wrong. Like, not to pity myself for anything because at least my parents aren't divorced. And that's what I would tell myself. I don't think I told anybody else. But, like, the reality was um, when I was younger, my dad traveled for work. And so he wouldn't be home a lot of the time. Um, and so there are... You know, it, it's pretty foggy. I blocked a lot of my childhood out just because of a trauma response. And I don't exactly remember the times that he, like, how long he traveled for. But I, I do remember there was, like, a good, like, five, I want to say a good five years of my childhood where my dad was, like, gone traveling for, like, extensive amounts of time. And he'd come back for a couple of days. Um, but my mom had to take care of me and my sister um, a lot of the time when my dad was away for work because, you know, he's providing for our family and, um, he was doing what a great dad does, obviously, but, um, like, there was, I, admitting to myself that my dad not being there, like, 100% of the time is, like, that was painful and that's not, like, we don't have to like wear rose-colored glasses and glaze everything over and be like no but like at least my parents aren't divorced or something and my mom had chronic Lyme disease when I was growing up and she um she got bit by the tick before they even discovered Lyme disease was a thing and she had it chronically for 16 years um and so like to us to me my sister like mom was like terminally ill with this Lyme disease thing and we were gonna have to take care of her for the rest of um, her life, and why are cars so loud, bro? Um, <laughs> and the Lord healed her a couple of years ago from that, um, so she, but she also just got it recently again, but anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I think it, when, as a young kid, even, I don't know, like, who, like, what kind of response that was, if somebody, like, told me that, like, well, at least your parents aren't divorced, or if I just, like, thought that myself or something, and then I remember being in, like, a teenager and a young adult, think, like, remembering that, I told myself that when I was younger, and I'm like, wait a second, no, like, I can acknowledge that that was painful, and that was something out of my control, um, with my mom being sick, and how that changed, um, our life, and, there's a helicopter flying over. Yeah, I think they can hear me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. It's just noisy out here in these streets. Um, and, and with my dad traveling for um, that period of time. So, um, yeah, just that, that talk of, like, well, it could be worse or, like, other people have it worse, like, I want to drop kick that mm-hmm. into the next county because mm-hmm. that's just not healthy at all. Well, let me tell you what it is. Take the mic, baby. Take the mic. Cut the beat. <laughs> Ayo, DJ D. Right. Cut the beat. Cut the beat. <laughs> I'm dead. That's an obscure reference. If you get that, I'll dap you up. Um. <laughs> Sorry. So when I first, uh, a big reason I left Texas and moved to North Carolina was to um, 
take a grief recovery course with um with my mentor who lived there and um one of the things that I learned is that there's several ways like like basically when it comes to experiencing pain and uh not everything is trauma but like like every traumatic event is painful not every painful thing is trauma but every painful thing does need to be dealt with in a healthy way Mm. that's That's a word um that's a word right there i don't i don't want to jump on the the i've seen some (laughs) videos on instagram talking about the quote-unquote cult of trauma um and yeah you can you can you could you could go too far with with talking about trauma like oh well that's a trauma response and you know like mm. like everything everything is tied to trauma and everything mm. is related to trauma and i'm like you know what you know sometimes things are just painful okay mm-hmm. sometimes things are just painful and they may not necessarily be a major trauma they could be a minor trauma or just not trauma at all but it's painful still and you need to deal with pain and the way that we deal with pain is we don't deal with pain you know a lot of us tend to just um ignore it uh compartmentalize a painful thing just cut it out just ignore it pretend it's not there as time goes by it sort of seems to fade away so we just sort of accept that as the way we deal with trauma but um when it comes to pain um one of the ways that we it time does not heal every pain Mm -hmm. some pains they happen and if they're not dealt with it's kind of like a wound that gets old and it doesn't heal well and it it gets kind of gross and nasty and it it just it festers and it 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 gets infected and over time if you ignore the wound it's not going to go away it's going to get worse um and in with for a lot of us especially in in our hearts the the heart wound is very deep there's a lot of different layers to it um and one of the important things is to not negate the pain that you're feeling. And what you're saying, Ciara, is is a, a common response that people have to things that hurt. If some if something happens to you that hurts, one of the ways that people in their ignorance try to make it all better mm-hmm. is to say, Oh well it could be worse. You know, oh it, it could just you could you could have lost both parents <laughs> right, right. you know you, you you could it could be you could be divorced your parents could be divorced yeah. like like uh, you know and and the truth is that saying that is just proof of your ignorance of how to deal with pain um because yes while it's true it could be worse that doesn't mean that the initial thing that caused the pain does not hurt right you know it doesn't mean that uh your father not being there all the time doesn't hurt sure you did you still had him mm-hmm. and your family wasn't divorced mm-hmm. but it still hurt um so while not to become a narcissist and not self-centered you still need to recognize like the pains that i've experienced are real pains even if my parents tried their best, they the pain that they inflicted on me was real pain, and I need to deal with it in a good way. 
Um, even if there was nothing I could do about it, it was still a real pain. And I need to deal with it in a good way. Even if I wasn't responsible mm. for it, it still hurt me. And I need to deal with that hurt in a healthy way. Um, so negating pain is one way that ignorant people try to make pain go away. Even though it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. Um, negating pain. Uh, what else? What else do they say? Um, trying to replace it. That's something that happens with kids a lot. If they lose a dog, for example, if a kid loses their dog or if their dog dies or something like that. Oh, well, we'll just get you another one. Mm-hmm. You know. So it teaches the kid that um, their pain is not valid. Valid. And it teaches the kid that um, if you uh, sorrow can be replaced with more things, right? You know, um, and uh, it doesn't actually make the pain go away; it just distracts. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're listening to this and you're wondering, well, Reagan, how do we deal with pain in a good way? How do we validate pain while also healing it? Um, here's what I've found to be successful in my life, and that is to just sit in the tension, Mm. sit in the tension of the pain, of the discomfort for a little while. Say, yeah, that sucks. That hurt. And I didn't deserve that. Mm. I didn't ask for it. It hurt a lot. And I've been wounded. And just leave it at that. Mm. Just recognize it. Acknowledge it. It's valid. And let it be. Um, I, the, the, the last thing I, I want to see is, is people like letting their pain lead them into a reactive response. Say, because you hurt me like this, I'm going to hurt you like that. Or because you hurt me like this, I feel justified hurting other people like this. Mm. You know? And that's how trauma and pain goes into a cycle. And a chain. And it goes from person to person, to parent to child, to parent to child. Um, the, the best way is to, uh, like, try to heal yourself. You know? Acknowledge that you are hurt. Bring your wound to a medical professional, like a therapist or or uh, someone like that. Um, let them examine it and verify that you've been wounded. And um, I mean, I'm I'm religious, so I believe that that God is the healer. Um, and for me. I always bring that wound to God and say, God, this hurt, mm-hmm. and this hurt in this way, and I was wronged, and um, I need healing, um, and just kind of sit in that tension for a little bit and, and feel the feelings that I feel, whether it be sorrow, loss, anger, and just let those feelings come and let them go. Don't dwell in them. If you, f- if I find myself dwelling in them, I do what I can to just like intentionally let them go. Um, and I get back to the point, uh, which is, I want to be healed. 
I want to be able to look at that wound. I want to be able to look at that part of my past and say, yeah, that was wounding. And I do remember how it hurt, but I no longer react to that hurt. And when people push me about it, I no longer react violently. And when people remind me of it, I no longer get a deep sense of shame or guilt surrounding it, you know. So... Yeah. Got the highway noise in the <laughs> in the audio bar. <laughs> the audio recording software we're using, uh you can see like the the squiggles of so sound. I don't even know what that is. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's it's showing up as it gets recorded and you can see the the thin line in between the those audio bars. Um and it gets a little fatter whenever there's a loud car on the highway. <laughs> A semi-driving. A semi, using the engine brake or something. We're on next to I-35. Um, so it's it's one of the major thoroughfares through Austin. and um, it's, it, it never stops. It it's never always, stops. It's always... We can come out here at like 2 a.m., 4 a.m. It's, it's, it's somebody's driving on it. You know, there's, there's heavy times, there's lighter times, but it never stops. Yeah. Um, thankfully, our apartment bedroom walls are pretty well insulated so we don't hear it too badly when we're trying to sleep yeah um but it's when we're trying to sit out here having a good conversation on our back porch yeah. you're just kind of shouting over the highway <laughs> you want to add anything to that <laughs> um let me move this oops so sorry um, I don't, I mean, you said, you said a lot of great things. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think, um, yeah, I think I'd like to leave it there. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss tonight? Um, I'll just drop this bar real quick. <laughs> um, it's not your responsibility how other people feel about your choices, but it is your responsibility to heal yourself. Yeah. It is your responsibility to heal yourself. Also to to forgive yeah. on your end. Yeah. And like I'm right. in in the Bible in um Bruh, I can't remember. Paul wrote it. Uh-huh. I don't remember if it was Romans or one of the Corinthians. Um, but it was it like as as much as it depends on you, right. live right. in, in live in peace peace with those with around you. Those around you. Yeah, and so like when it comes to mm-hmm. um, forgiveness or mm-hmm. um, just making like healing that yeah within relationships your family mm-hmm. uh, um other people friends right like i when you resolve within yourself or with the lord or however you choose yeah. to to do that um mm-hmm. to make harmony with the other person or people yeah. that you um that you know you need to forgive yeah like um when you first do that to yourself or yeah. like within yeah. yourself so then you can yeah um 
give that love and show that forgiveness mm-hmm. to the other people yeah. or to the other person or the other people who may not have done that already mm-hmm. that's not your fault like that's that's again like controlling what you can yeah. um and because like i said earlier with like i am not in control of my parents happiness like right, right now as i'm going through the process of forgiving them yeah um and and putting my expectations that i had on uh-huh. like for them onto the lord yeah like yeah. i can do it on my end uh-huh. i can't control how they're going to receive that or how they're going to react right. to that they could keep acting the way they acted yeah and then that's not that's not like you know that's not my fault yeah and um even i think it gets real complicated when then the other person turns around and says like well like to you uh-huh. that like well you're not doing enough because our relationship is still broken everything right and then like then how do you receive that how do mm. you um i saw that with your relationship with your sisters actually yeah yeah how they treated you about um your relationship with your dad yeah yeah um and so and then i i think that shows it, it's it's very difficult when you have done the work uh-huh. you've done the counseling yeah um you've you've worked on yourself you've brought it to the lord you've like matured mm-hmm. and forgiven on your side yeah and then the other person yeah. hasn't done that and they still see the situation or wherever um mm. everything is from yeah. like years before yeah because yeah, either yeah. they didn't know how to do the work they chose mm-hmm. not to or they were expecting you to come to them or something right. and that wasn't what was required I've got something to say about that. Please. Um, forgiveness and boundaries are not mutually exclusive. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so, so let me let me get into that real quick. Uh, so forgiveness does not mean that you tell the other person, like, hey, what you did to me was okay. Mm. What you did to me was, was okay. I'm okay with you with you doing that to me. No, that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is... You did something wrong to me, it hurt me, and I'm choosing to no longer hold you accountable for hold you responsible for it in my heart. I'm letting go of that need for um, control, that need for revenge, that need for punishment. I'm gonna let it go, um, and uh, and say you're you're off the hook for on my end. Um, <laughs> as Christians, we have the blessed ability to say I forgive you and you're in God's hands now Uh, because God sees the depth of the hurt and he um, is the ultimate judge Mm -hmm. the the one who will say what is right and what is wrong Mm -hmm. and who receives what punishment as a result of it Um, so forgiveness once again to be clear does not mean that I'm saying that the person I'm forgiving was was right to do do to do what they did. I'm not saying that what they did was not hurtful. I'm not saying that what they did was was not wrong. Um, just forgiveness is is honestly for you. Um, it releases that sort of hold in your heart that you're holding on to that anger. You're holding on to that pain. You're holding on to some sense of need need for revenge or whatever it may be. Forgiveness releases that. And allows you to let it go. Um, forgiveness does not mean that boundaries don't exist. 
And forgiveness does not mean that you can't tell somebody, hey, I forgive you, and you can do it to me again. Mm. Um, so I moved out of my parents' house because I realized I can't heal myself if I'm still living at home with the people that are doing the hurting. Right. Um, so I left the people that are doing the hurting, and I learned to heal, and I learned to forgive. And I did not return to the people who did the hurting. Mm. It's been a long time since I saw them, and I have been seeing them more and more lately because I've been living in the area again. Um, but for a good year and a half after I left, I did not see my family. I did not talk to them. I emailed them a little bit, um, but we did not have any connection. Um, and I think that forgiveness and that kind of a boundary is perfectly compatible. You know, I can forgive and go on with my life and live my life the way I want to live it. And I don't have to go back to them and say, hey, like, let's go back to the way things were. Let's let you continue to say and do the things that hurt me, right. you know, like like that kind of thing. So um, forgiveness is, is, is a crucial part of your healing journey. It is not necessarily a part of reuniting that relationship. That's that's a different kind of thing. Um and uh, I don't know if our relation, if my relationship with my parents will fully be reuni- reunited. Um, I think it will be distant um, for a little, for for a while longer um, until I grow and they grow and, and they experience some different mindsets. Maybe I'll experience some different mindsets, but for the time being, like I need that distance. I need that distance boundary. Um, so. Uh, as you were saying that, I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, but, uh, if that's about all you have, then I guess we'll wrap up. I, I just want to say one more thing, because okay. you just said distance. Yeah. And that, um, boundary, and that's more than okay to have if you need distance. Yeah. Uh, I think, um, some parents and people may attribute distance to like oh you don't love me like you need distance so you don't want to be around me and I'm taking it personally and like might try to guilt you into not taking um that distance or time away that you might need to heal um because that distance is honestly for my relationship with my sister um that has healed our relationship and transformed it um, to what it was when I was living in the same house as her. And it's been a very positive change that I was not anticipating. Um, but God definitely used the 2,000-mile distance to um, to bring about that change. And so I, I think I just I want to, like, affirm anybody who's just, like, either spiritually feeling like they need distance from somebody or just feeling like, you know what, I think what would be good for me is... Um, to spend some time away from you right now or um, if you're in a toxic situation or toxic friendship and you just need to um, put that on pause or communicate that you don't want to be a part of that currently um, I just want to affirm you to take that when you need that um, because distance distance can bring about healing um, and it can also just bring about clarity about like what is beneficial to have in your life and what's not. Um, And as far as family goes, 
um, family is just such a big umbrella topic and um, it's too I think it's too broad to to say for every relationship when it comes to family but like um, if if there is on one end or on any end of a relationship somebody claiming that distance is selfish or that you wanting to be away is um, not loving it's not kind and like we're family and we should be together and everything and community and everything like um, I I I want to speak against that because that is um, hurtful and it can like I guess make make you think that a good thing actually isn't um, and all this taken into you know like if communication is positive as as far as like I said before like in what you can control and how you can control the way you speak and like communicate um obviously something like you get in a big fight and you like, slam the door and like I'm not coming back for another 10 months like that might not be the best way to end it and like have silence but like for for however long period of time but like if you can distance yourself gracefully and just let the silence be that or communicate like set your own boundaries on how you want to communicate and how often um and not let the other person like try to guilt you and say like oh you abandoned me because you separated for a good cause or something like that um because that's also important Did I say it? I think I said it. I have a terrible habit of like having an idea and I I talk around it, but I think I said the idea, but then I listen to it back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I never said what I was actually thinking about it. Just like said, I beat around the bush so many times that I, I made myself think I said it, but I actually didn't. But I think, I think I made my point. Distance is good, people. Distance can be healthy. There, that was the point. Okay, yeah. Um, well, thanks for <laughs> hanging with us for story time with the Shuddies. Um, sorry it's been a couple weeks, but we are just chilling and taking life as it comes. So, um, yeah. I hope you enjoy this episode, and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye.